Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour History. I'm your host, Professor Harpin. I wanted to talk about some things that probably are not necessarily appropriate if you have children who listen to the podcast with you. And of course, I appreciate it as always, but this is more of an adult theme. So with that being said, I know that there's been a lot of things going on in the media lately and, you know, the leak that happened last week with the proposed overturning of Roe v. Wade from, I believe, what, 1973? So that is a federal protection that allows for people to have the right to choose if they want to terminate their pregnancy. And there is, I believe that the leak was more so of um, a temperature check to see how people would react if the Supreme Court were actually going to overturn that. And I wanted to say first, I didn't know that you could do such a thing. I thought that once you had a Supreme Court case that was decided, especially that granted more rights to people or more freedoms to people, that it was something that would be permanent. Apparently not. So I have my own research to do about that process. But I did also want to talk about some things that are happening in different states as a result and sort of aligned with this at the state level. Because as most of you know, we have the state governments and then we have the federal government. So when a, when a federal when the federal government institutes a law or an act or some sort of, you know, something, some legislation, the states have to abide by it. So, for example, Roe v. Wade being a federal case that was tried at the, um, the Supreme Court of the United States, the federal Supreme Court, that's the big one. Um, but there are also state Supreme Courts. So just to make that clear. So once that was decided at the federal level, that meant that all of the states had to make concessions to follow that new law, to make it available for people to terminate pregnancies if they wanted to, or even in the case where if they didn't want to, but they needed to when it comes to things like um, ectopic pregnancies, when it comes to other pregnancies that if they are allowed to continue, they will, or especially if you have even multiple implants. So if you have um, twins or triplets or anything else, even if one of those is in the fallopian tube, they have to take all of them out or they have to terminate all of them. So in a lot of cases, it's a life or death situation. It's not just people who are, you know, sort of the media stereotype of, you know, people using, um, abortion as a means of terminating their pregnancies because they were being reckless and irresponsible. That's not the overwhelming case of people who are um, electing to have um, abortions. So a lot of people um, have been talking about how Plan B, which is something that's emergency contraceptive, it's also known as RU486, how that would potentially be criminalized because that is a, it's known as the morning after pill. So immediately or, you know, very quickly after you have unprotected sex, it's recommended that you take plan B if you want to prevent the egg from being implanted. It essentially causes you to get your period. It flushes out the things that are in your uterus 
by signaling to your body that it's time to have your period. And if you've ever been on birth control, you know that that's essentially what birth control does. You take um, three weeks where it keeps your hormones at a high level, and that fourth week is a manufactured um, period now that your you know levels have dropped. And what I mean by manufactured is that for those of you who have been on birth control, you know that it may not have been a week where you would have gotten it anyway. Sometimes, especially for people who do take birth control pills, it's meant to make sure that you have a consistent period every 28 days. Um, just, you know, because it makes life easier to live when you can know when you can expect it for many people. Okay, so in addition to Plan B potentially on the plate to be criminalized in states like Missouri and Idaho, um, they're, both of those states are also attempting to, or and they have representatives who say that they want to introduce legislation that would make IUDs illegal. So IUDs are intrauterine devices, and those things stop the eggs from leaving the fallopian tubes and entering into the uterus for purposes of implantation. So it stops pregnancy from happening. Now, again, when we talk about media imagery surrounding who we, you know, the media tells you is using these IUDs, oftentimes you've seen IUD um, ads where, you know, you have people who are using it for the purposes of family planning, right? If they do not plan to be pregnant, there are also many people who use IUDs to regulate and manage their periods. There's just, there's many things that go into choosing different family planning methods. And so by making, you know, for states that want to make those things illegal, it shows us that it's not just about abortion. So, you know, many of you may know somebody who is, vehemently against abortion, but maybe understands that using IUDs in plan B should be available to people. But again, it's not just about the abortions. And that's why I think it's completely oversimplistic and ridiculous when people say things like, oh, well, you can just take birth control. Because again, now birth control is potentially on the chopping block because it does the same thing. It's preventing an unwanted or an unsafe pregnancy. Okay, just so we're all clear about that. And in addition to that, you have an Arizona Senate candidate who wants to call for condoms to be banned in all states. So that means likely it would start, if this person is able to enact their will, it would start in Arizona. Um, but again, I don't know if that's something you can federally mandate, but that's why everyone was bitching about the Supreme Court the last, you know, two years. Well, yeah, the last you know, two and a half years, because the Supreme Court of the United States is the highest court in the land. It is. So they're the ones who make the decisions at the federal level that affect all the states' levels. And like I said, there are state Supreme Courts. That's why it's very important. I know, and I'm not going to get into a whole lecture about voting, because I know that a lot of people are completely correct in the fact that you know, you have parties that tell you, oh, vote, vote, vote. And, you know, this is the biggest election of your lifetime. And it's like, and they continue to not do the work that we elect them to do, right? It's less of a Venn diagram now, and it's becoming very clearly a circle, 
(laughs) when it comes to the two-party system. And that's been a big problem in the country for a very long time. This isn't new. It's just most of us are coming into our adult consciousness about it as it affects us and people that we know and love. But it's very important to pay attention to local voting measures. And what I mean by that is the people who are voted in as judges, the people who are voted in for your... um, your state Supreme Court seats, because these things are going to be decided at the state level. And so even if the federal doesn't change, if the, well, excuse me, if the federal does change, it's going to cause a change in the state's legislation in order to prevent these things from happening. Now, for those of you listening who live in California, that's not going to happen. California is a, well, I mean, it could happen. I'm not going to be stupid and say that it could never happen. It definitely could, but it likely would not happen because of the voting base in California, because of the legislation in California, because of all the things that are all of, a lot more freedoms that California residents um, sort of are empowered with when it comes to rights and legislation surrounding education, healthcare, etc. They're of course they're not the best. They're you know not as well as they should be in many cases. However, it is a lot more freedom than you know some of these other states. And the reason why I bring up Idaho is because and Arizona is because those aren't southern states, right? So I know it's very easy to sort of blame this on conservative southern states or Bible Belt states, et cetera, but it's it's beyond that. It's not just any one region of the country. And it never was. And for those of you who listen to the podcast for a while, you know that I talk about this all the time. <laughs> so I just wanted to mention those things and how, you know, a lot of people have been talking online about how well what does this call into question other Supreme Court cases, right? Like what other things are going to be made illegal? There are some people who are elected to office who don't believe that a pregnancy should be terminated, even if it threatens the life of the mother. They are very much going with the life of the um, you know, proposed child. And if Roe v. Wade does get striked down, stricken down, then there is a legislation that was done before that, and I can't remember the name, and I should have looked it up real quick before talking about it, but you can look it up, and that'd be fun, Um, that would go into effect. So it would sort of kick it back. In addition to that, there are also people who are questioning about whether or not, of course, because it just seems like it's getting more and more like an episode of The Handmaid's Tale, and I made a an early podcast, like one of my first few podcasts, I was, you know, talking about The Handmaid's Tale and some of the stuff through history. But um, you have a lot of people who are wondering if that'll bring into question, you know, women's rights as individuals. You have some senators or legislators who are saying that, you know, maybe birth control methods should only be available to legally married couples. And again, just to bring it around to something that is, has nothing to do with pregnancy necessarily, um, co-living rentals are being banned in some places in Kansas. So it was banned in April, actually, and it's the Shawnee City Council. They voted 8-0 to ban co-living. 
So basically what it says is that, well, excuse me, I guess it's important to see how they define it first. So the ordinance defines co-living as a group of people of at least four unrelated adults living together in any dwelling unit. So that could be a home, it could be an apartment, whatever. The ordinance states that if one adult is unrelated to another adult, then the entire group will be classified as unrelated. So essentially that could mean even for people who don't live with three or four people, but are in a relationship and live together, right, um, in any housing situation. So the Washington Post is quoted as saying, co-living has become increasingly popular because of its cost effectiveness and greater flexibility in cities where rents are high for young professionals. But <laughs> it's important to know that in addition to people living in cohabitating situations because of the cost of living you also have people who are in relationships who are unmarried and do live together for you know any extended period of time some people who live together before they actually get married who some people who don't want to get married and which is their right to not do so and just you know have a family have their own definition of that and live together so this would make that illegal And so I think that you're going to have more people who are also going to pick up on this because it did pass in this um, area in this, excuse me, in this area of Kansas, Kansas, (laughs) Kansas. And I'm a teacher, right? It's almost the end of the year. Thank goodness. But um, yeah, so you have people who are living together in order to save money in many cases, even if they're not in some sort of a romantic relationship. And to me also, that would also, that would also include people who live together as just roommates who are, you know, friends who live together, who again are trying to save money. And because we have a housing crisis, because we're having an economic crisis, many, many people have to do things like this. But now if you have areas that are banning it, then to me, that's part of this whole thing with the, um, trying to get rid of contraceptive contraceptive measures and birth control and family planning things is because they're trying to stop people from enacting their liberty. And I want to bring it all the way in back to the black codes because y'all know I like to do that. But in 1865, when the um, enslaved Africans were freed, became African hyphen Americans with the 14th Amendment, Um, and realized as citizens and citizens of the country, many of these states enacted black codes. And black codes among them were that you could not cohabitate with people who were not your spouse. That is very important. Because again, you have groups of people. It's, It's interesting as a historian, watching, reading, and listening to people who are saying, oh, well, our rights are being taken away. And I'm just looking at them blankly like, it's this has already happened right like that pebble has already been thrown into the pond it just never affected you before whether that be you because of your race your gender your socioeconomic status other things that may be privileges or advantages you have in society that where you didn't have to deal with it it's already happened So the country already has a blueprint for how to restrict people. We had it for most of our history because, again, the black codes were not formally stricken down at the federal level until 1965. 
So this is only 60 years later, okay? It's not that long of a time. We have all the historical artifacts. We have, you know, the actual legislation. We have books that have been written about it. Like, we all know, well, not all of us, but we know what already happened. And that should, that's supposed to tell those of us in the current society, modern society, oh, if they wanted to go back, it wouldn't be difficult to drum up how far to go back or it wouldn't be difficult to decide well how are we going to create this legislation and who's it going to affect etc etc because it's already been done and it wasn't that long ago that it was stricken down at the federal level so that the states couldn't do it and or created at the federal level to protect people no matter where they lived from having to worry about an infringement on their liberties and it's very interesting to me also for people and I'm sure for many of you too when people talk about, you know, the, oh, well, we're losing our rights and, you know, you're taking away our freedoms because of, you know, other things that have gone on. But those, those same people have absolutely no qualms about this. Right. That's interesting, too. <laughs> so I want everyone to be vigilant. I want them to pay attention to what's being reported. Um Pay attention to what your local representatives are talking about it, if they've expressed any opinion one way or the other, because it's going to get worse. And I think that as we start having these little bits, because like this legislation about the cohabitation was in April. So that was well before the leak happened at the Supreme Court. This they this has been happening bit by bit for decades and, you know, decades and then years, and then months, and then weeks, and then days. Like, it's been happening slowly, slowly, slowly. They've been chomping at the bit for a very long time. So we'll see what happens with the federal level. Again, the president, President Biden, has not come out and enacted anything to prevent this from happening, which is obviously to the chagrin of a lot of people who, again, voted for him to prevent these things from happening, try to be diligent about vetting the last no the not uh justice brown but the two before that kavanaugh and coney barrett vetting them to make sure that this wasn't on the agenda and now it is definitely on the agenda there is a majority that could get it done i know alito is the one who um i believe the justice who is promoting this and if you don't know who justice alito is you need to look that up (laughs) if you've only paid attention to the last three justices which have been kavanaugh coney barrett and brown you need to look at the others and also too right clarence thomas's wife jenny i guess thomas is accused of trying to overthrow the government and all that just got swept under the rug so i mean she allegedly did that (laughs) what a time to be alive So I wanted to keep it short today. Um, Thank you for listening in. Thank you for coming back to another episode of Happy Hour History. And I appreciate you all for listening as always. And I'll see you on the next episode. Bye.